What is up guys and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. He's back. Again. It is. You, you, you've got the hang of this now, haven't you? No, I have. You've got the itch. I've got the itch. You've got the bug. Hmm. Yeah. Not that bug though. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, thank you very much for coming back into the Meeple Minded studio. How are you doing this week? Yeah, very good. Very good. Good, good. Did, uh, obviously, you had a week off last week when, we, uh, when I had... Wayne from Board Stupid in here. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Did you get up so much with your your lovely little week off? Uh, no, not really. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> just a week off. Just a week off. <laughs> have you managed to get any games in recently? That's that's a question. Uh, no, but I have been looking at games. Ooh. I've been looking at Azul. Ooh. Yes, you have. Yes, indeed. Yes. So, uh, you still haven't played it, though. I haven't. We do need to get it to... Well, you've played it, but we need to get it to the table so I can play it. Indeed, indeed. I think that's going to be one we'll get to the table, hopefully, this week. Yes. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, another game that I want to get us us getting to the table, hopefully Monday, will be Zoography, because I think we need some more plays of that. Indeed. Um, as that's another game I'd like to talk about on here at some point as yes. well. Get it off the pile of shame and onto the table. Although you've just reminded me that we did also play um, New York Zoo recently. So that is another game. We did. How did you find New York Zoo? It was interesting mechanics, but not to get too much into it. I think I prefer zoography out of the two, but it has some interesting mechanics to it. Okay. Well, we'll get some more more plays of both of those, I think, and uh, cast our judgment upon them. Indeed. (laughs) But anyway... It's a topical discussion this week, James. This is your first topical discussion. This is isn't my it? first topical discussion. Oh, God help you, good sir. Yes, opinions. <laughs> well, Dang- dangerous things. The benefit of these topical discussions is it is purely based on our opinions on certain subjects. And the subject this week is something that seems to come up in basically every walk of life, I think. But it's really sort of starting to come to the forefront with regards to gaming in the past couple of months. Up this time is fakery. Counterfeiting. Yeah, so a few months ago it was made apparent by that Asmodee were teaming up with Amazon to basically take on the counterfeiters that were releasing Asmodee titles, you know, unofficially. And obviously people that were getting them weren't happy. They were contacting Asmodee. It just a whole big horrible circle of counterfeit rubbish. Yep. And you and I have both got a, a previous history of, of knowing of counterfeiting on tabletop, mainly from the war game side of things. Yes. And we will get into that discussion. And we will indeed get into that discussion. Um, I have even been out and deliberately purchased a counterfeit copy. Now, I will say at this juncture, I got my money back as soon as it arrived. And I have reported those people. But I did this purely for the research side of things so that you actually got to see what a counterfeit board game was like. Because when I first came to you and said, counterfeit board game, what was your reaction? Really? (laughs) Really? But yes, then I thought about it and went, well, it's like everything else board gaming is, especially over the last few years, had an explosion and the counterfeiters will see an opportunity and they'll go for it. So actually it makes sense that they've appeared yes yeah as, as much as whether we agree or disagree that they do but that, again that's another thing that we can get into today is our opinions on whether they are good for the business or bad i mean i think it's fair to say it's going to be bad yeah, bad but there are some little glimmers of okayness in it i guess 
But again, discussions about that as to what we really mean. So, yeah, counterfeiting. It, it's. I don't think we really need to explain what it is, but, I mean, give us a rough idea. Basically, somebody has an idea they pro- or for a game, they produce said game, and somebody else comes along and goes, I'll steal that. And makes a cheaper copy. Yeah, basically. For the most part, a more inferior yes. quality product, which really leads us on to, to the first discussion of my first bullet point that I have here is what what's are the negative side of things when it comes to counterfeiting? And the first one that is a glaring thing right up there is quality. We bang on about it whenever we do a game review here on the podcast. So yeah. our first section that we talk about is quality of the components and... Yeah, with the copy that I've shown you, and for the record, it is a copy of Azul, with the copy of this game that I've showed you from the counterfeiters, how do you think the quality actually compares to a official licensed product? Okay, so on the box that you've got in front in front of us here, I will admit, aside from the actual box design itself, which is a pizza box, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> That that was the first clue, but even that was just sort of like, oh, I don't know if this is just, you know, differences between Kickstarter retail, they might have changed the box design. Taking the lid off and looking at the actual punch cards, I probably wouldn't have been able to tell it was a counterfeit until you got to the tokens. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I will say, like, the punch boards were actually pretty good. Like, I've seen some really bad uh, mm. copies, and, and yeah, the punch boards in this were fairly impressive, if I'm honest. But, yeah, as soon as you got to those tiles, it was evidently apparent. When I Even when I unboxed this, it was like, yeah, it's in a pizza box. Mm. I know that that's not a thing for us all, but yeah. I mean, that being said, if you didn't know any better, if I hadn't actually told you and you were purchasing this off of, say, Amazon, because unfortunately, you can buy counterfeits off of Amazon, would you have known? No. And this, I think, brings us on to the first point I want to make about why counterfeiting is bad, because this is now the directly unfair. Not only has the original person who's actually put the effort into develop the game being ripped off effectively, but in your example, I buy this copy from Amazon. Who am I going to complain to when I think the quality is rubbish? Mm, Exactly. Because I don't know this is a counterfeit. Mm. I'm going to go back to the game's manufacturer and go, hey... Your game's rubbish. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And or, or maybe you will be one of the silent, I would probably say silent majority, in mm. fact, that just wouldn't say anything. But it would be in the back of their minds that, okay, this company makes inferior quality products. I just won't buy from them again. Yep. And so it's not just the fact that they've lost the money for that particular game. They've now lost your future custom, despite how good their games may well be. Yeah, and because you know, I don't know any better. Exactly, and and again, we're just using Azul as an example here. I know that Azul has amazing quality components in it, but this this version is terrible. Yes, yeah, the, the components are awful. It's missing bits as yeah, well. That, that's, that's another. That's, thing. that's the second thing um, is that a lot of these counterfeits, if they've got cards, the card text might be wrong, or there might be bits missing from it. Uh, there might be components missing because they've missed bits from it. It's just genuinely an inferior product. Yeah. There's a reason it's cheaper. Yeah, exactly. And it, it usually comes down to materials. There is a reason that board game manufacturers use certain materials. 
It can be anything from safety reasons yep. to just pure quality. And you've just hit the second point about why counterfeiting is bad. Most of these games, when they're distributed in, say, the EU or the States, they have to comply with manufacturing laws. They have to be safe. The small components have to be of a certain design so that children can't swallow them. If they use paints, the paint has to be non like not lead-based paint, yep. all that yep. kind of stuff. You buy a knockoff, you have no idea what they've actually used to make these things. Mm, exactly. And usually those inferior products are the ones that are using toxic materials like your lead-based paints. And you might sort of think to yourself, oh, it's okay, it's only it's only card, it's only meeples. But usually meeples will come with a paint covering on it. Yep. That could well be a lead-based paint. God forbid you have a child swallow that. It's a whole, you know, the mm. fact that they've swallowed a component is bad enough, but the fact that it could be a component covered in lead-based paint yeah. is a whole world of trouble that you just don't want to get into. I mean, you, you you bring that one up, which is a very good point, but the reason that lead-based paints, say, here in the UK were banned is because you're handling the piece. You've got residue of the lead and the other nasty stuff, you know, some of these other components, they're carcinogens, all this kind of stuff. You're handling them. You inadvertently touch the piece and then i don't know lick your finger or something like that over time it leads to all sorts of nasty things like cancer and things like that and it's sort of like yeah you've got that from uh, multiple exposure to dangerous materials in your board game that you enjoy playing it's like it might take years but that's the reason these things are banned for use Mm. in the first place exactly exactly and and that's just we're just talking about production right now you know let's Mm. let's talk about how it would affect your even down to your local community not purchasing an official licensed product from say your local game store is it going to affect them as well as the company that makes the game yeah you know you won't get i mean i I would like to think actually you won't get fake counterfeit copies in your friendly local game store because you know for the most part we'll be buying from official distributors yep and while it's not impossible to get fake copies accidentally put into these distribution lines it is incredibly incredibly rare and will be dealt with very very quickly yeah uh, i was actually reading an article about this it's not not so much for your bricks and mortar stores but uh going back to the big online retailers like amazon and you can encounter situations there so you get somebody uh, a third party seller selling their counterfeit games they say let's say they're based on the east coast they send their counterfeit games to the local to amazon who send it to their local depot now someone on the west coast orders a game they don't ship that copy from east coast to west coast they Mm -hmm. just go oh this person's here but we've got a copy of this so we'll just send it from the west coast depot yep yeah and then so you might get a decent third party seller selling the official one also getting the blame because of the way amazon moves its stock around yeah yeah exactly yeah and Again, a lot of people are caught out, especially with Amazon, because, you know, it's a name, it's a household name that everyone knows. But unfortunately, because they allow third-party sellers to go on there, and like you said, it goes into essentially a pool of stuff, and they just send from the pool, it may well say prime delivery. That means nothing. Fulfilled by Amazon means nothing, Mm. unfortunately. And that's where this issue has really arisen from, and that's why Asmodee are teaming up with Amazon to try and tackle this because it has unfortunately got to that point where there was a time 
And we're going to go back many, many years now, James, to when we used to play Warhammer. And there was this marvellous thing that everyone used to know about, which was called China Bay. Yes, China Cast. <laughs> and, you know, there was never a site called China Bay. It was, for the most part, I think it was like the likes of AliExpress and stuff like that. But you knew what you were getting into. You yeah. were going on there at certain times of day because they would take them down every day to buy counterfeit games workshop products yep now i do not condone this you know i'm not going to lie i have done this in the past and to both positive and negative effects mm. it's from what i've seen it's actually kind of died off a bit on the on the games workshop side but yeah that was what you did back in the day but the fact that it's now made its way to the likes of ebay and amazon you know those front forerunners that let's be honest when you buy something, you generally check Amazon and eBay. Yep. You know, and, and that's that's where this issue is coming from, I think. Yeah, on the um, on the tabletop gaming, uh, like the war gaming scene, I think one of the other reasons as well is that it's died off sort of from the recasting thing is the forefront of printers. Yes, the introduction. I would say, yeah, just massive growth of 3D printers. Yeah, because... I remember when 3D printing first came on the scene and it was people using like the, the more like the filament printers and you could you, you could see. tell yeah. that they were not with the introduction of resin printers I have seen a few models that I wouldn't know wasn't a games workshop mm -hmm. model yeah. yeah they are actually admittedly very good and all the person's done is gone and download an SDL file yeah yeah exactly and I mean that leads us on to, to another discussion that, that could well be deemed as counterfeiting. You know, there are files out there for people to download, both free and paid, that are, shall you know, I'm using air quotes here, inspired by Games Workshop, but can also be de deemed as blatant ripoffs yep. of Games Workshop. So the real question is, where do you draw the line and where does it become an issue and a counterfeit? So uh, I'm not. A copyright lawyer so no, no. take what i'm about to say with a pinch of salt some of this might be wrong as far as i am aware if it is inspired by but you have gone through the effort to sculpt your own model that is perfectly fine mm. because yeah. it is still your creation you can't call it a space marine or whatever games workshops copyright title is that you can't call it an adapter societies whatever and i believe you can't use that copyrighted iconography like the aquila for yes. example and everything everything that is protected by copyright but if the model itself is your sculpt or you have gone into 3d software and designed your own model to proxy that's fine yeah. if you have gone into games workshop bought a kit 3D scanned it and just uploaded it to the internet, that is counterfeiting. Yes. And it is wrong. It is. It is very, very wrong. And there are more than enough examples out there. I'm yep. not going to draw attention as to where to find them. Yeah. Because unfortunately, it is not something that I agree with. Yep. Especially when it comes to, because Warhammer is where we came from, I have seen dueling opinions with this. And it's whether you like the company or not. You know, a lot of people think they're sticking it to Games Workshop by downloading their or ripping off their their models for cheaper i'm not defending games workshops sales practice it's more the actual person who sculpted those models you're mm. it's not you, you think of the company as a big faceless entity that's just out there to make profit and you know sit you know you've got the cartoon ceo with his cigar laughing at us little guys yep. pouring our money into it 
what about the sculptor who actually spent yeah. a lot of time designing those models? Because yeah. they get it. When you buy a model, they get a cut of that. Yeah. And for the most part, they're the ones that retain the rights to those models as well, yes. which is why you will find Forge World especially, the models only sit on there for so long and then they they go out of stock yes. and they never come back. A lot of the reason is because the sculptor has left. Exactly. They own the, the Games Workshop might own the IP for the the armies and the fluff and that, but the sculpt belongs to the sculptor. Exactly. If they don't work for the company anymore yes. and Games Workshop hasn't bought them out by that point, that's it. Yep. So yeah, that's that's another thing. It's just another layer to this whole counterfeiting argument, is it? Is that are you sticking it to Games Workshop? Maybe. You know, are they going to notice you not purchasing that product? Probably not. Are are you sticking yeah. it to the sculptor? Yes. Yes. Are they going to notice it? More than likely. Yep. You know, are you yes. are you sticking it to your local community? Yes, you are because you're not you're not investing in it. You're not supporting in it. Now, I'm not. I I can't. I don't want to sound like I'm. I'm. You know, if if you are someone who has purchased into counterfeited goods, whether with knowledge or without, I'm not saying what you did was wrong. But it's thinking about. I mean, you, you like. I, I'll admit now, like especially with Games Workshop, I've bought models from China Cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually, as a poor student, it was one. It was like I've I've never bought a Games Workshop kit, but I have bought Forge World ones. Yes. Normally something like a titan which you know i don't have several thousand pounds to throw yeah and that's where the temptation i think comes in it is it's the it's the one aspect of it i think i i would almost say i have sympathy for is i i that model is beautiful and i want it i don't have two thousand pounds to spend on a wall wall or titan yeah but china bay is offering it for 200 yeah it's very it's very morally wrong but i want it yeah sort of thing and, and that's where it's, i haven't done it for ages and i only had one or two models that were counterfeit and from your experience of those how, how mm. did you find the quality bearing in mind that we also have very very good knowledge of what actual forge world yes is like how did you think, find it compared? well yeah i think that's an important thing to do it's like in a note to say it's like I never exclusively bought from there. As I, my 99% of my collection is official. It was those one or two models mm-hmm. that I am yeah. never going to be able to afford. Yeah. And I really wanted them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, most of them, because they were just recasts, were actually pretty good. And this is not bashing the official Forge World quality, but because of the methods used, obviously Forge World injection molds. Mm-hmm. So you have to clean the model up. You've got, the runoff, the the vents, all that kind of stuff that you have to clean up. Because of the recasting process, the recaster has done the cleanup in order to recast the model. Mm-hmm. So it actually tends to come in a hyphen quote better state. Yes. Because yeah. it, the model has been pre-cleaned and then they've just made the mold of of that piece and just vacuum casted. Yeah, exactly. And and as you said, this that means less cleanup. Yeah, uh, which when you've put together a Forge World product is yeah, it's, it's uh, a big step, uh, you know, especially on say like a Titan. Yeah, that's a lot of yeah. components and a lot of cleanup, and even then it's sort of like you're right, soaring into resin. You got to put the face mask on because yeah. you know resin dust is not good, despite the fact of how good it is. Um, and you used to be able to tell unpainted the biggest tell that it was counterfeit was the color of the resin. Yeah. 
But even the more recent ones, it was like, it was coming out of the box. And I was like, if I didn't know what I'd done, I couldn't tell yeah. that there's, apart from the fact that it's clean yeah, and ready to assemble. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's a good, really good example there um, of our previous experiences with the war game side of it. You've now had experiences of the board game side of it. Now, another one that is really, really prevalent, and I know that you know of these in the past, is card games and the TCGs like Pokemon, oh, for example. Yeah. That's been a thing since we were kids. Though. Yeah, it like, is. Yeah. And from the ones I've seen, they are blatant, but I've also seen some that have got past many, many eyes and have not noticed. And that, again, is, is damaging, you know, and it could be really damaging to the person that's purchased it because if they don't know and say they went to an official tournament where they check those cards rigorously, that could be the first time they find out, you know, and that's not, that's not really fair. So, yeah, card games, board games, war games. I think the only ones that I've not really heard anything of is is role-play games, and that's kind of because the only thing they really have are the books. Yeah. So... I bet a substantial amount of money that somewhere out there someone has counterfeited the books yeah it wouldn't surprise me but uh, yeah if there is anyone out there has experience of that please do let us know because i would really love to to actually find out the information on that as well because you'd be surprised how many people actually come to us and and ask our opinions on on purchasing places and you know for me if it's not a well-known well-established company i kind of i kind of steer clear of it like but again that sort of draws us back to this whole thing of but Amazon is a well-established, well-known company. It's so hard to really know what to trust anymore. Yeah, it's the big detail with Amazon is whether it is coming from... It's, it's down to the end user to know what to look for. And it's Amazon has fulfilled by Amazon and Amazon. Yes. And if it's fulfilled by Amazon, it is coming from a third-party seller. Amazon is just the distributor. Yeah. Yeah, and that it's 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 all in the small print yeah. at the end of the day. It's all in the small print, but it is always displayed. So yeah, just keep an eye out for things like that. But ultimately, we say it all the time, go to your friendly local game store and buy your products from them because yeah. it is 99.999% likely that it will be an official copy and on the off chance that you get that ridiculously low percentage that you end up with a fake copy, they will sort it because they can then go back to their distributor and go, what's going on? And it, it gets done and dealt with really, really quickly and very professionally. Yeah. I, I, th- I think it's fair to sum up with this is like that we don't condone count the purchasing of counterfeiting at all. It's at the end of the day, if you if you don't support these companies, they stop making games. Yeah. that That's the biggest thing. It's you might get annoyed with certain companies practices and the way they do things but if they stop writing rules and supporting your game system because they're losing too much money your game is going to die yeah exactly. that, that's the, the the long and short of it yeah you may well be that dedicated person that no matter whether they stop supporting it or not you'll keep playing it but will everyone else that's mm. the real question that's yep. when games die so we've been through loads of negativity here let's try and find that tiny tiny silver lining that you might find on on this horribly dark cloud you semi touched on it when you were a student and you were very very low on money Mm. is there any positivity that we can be found in making this hobby 
slightly more cheaper by maybe lowering these kind of qualities for those families that may have really low disposable like well, again we'll use us all here this copy cost me 10 pounds yep. posted from china to to get here whereas the normal game retails at somewhere between 30 and 40 that could be a board game for a family that wouldn't have been able to play that game otherwise indeed um and it's easy to think of that as a positive but i'm actually going to say no and we've touched on all the reasons why yes the company there's a profit margin built into that price that's business but a lot of that cost is materials research making sure it is safe making sure it is not going to hurt anyone from the components they're using to manufacture it this is the reason why and it doesn't just go to board games everything why everything from China is so cheap and products manufactured in the US and the EU are more expensive because they have to put more work into making sure all the components are up to standard. Yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll throw another one at you, James, to get your opinion on this. I brought this up at one of our game nights the other night and someone actually raised a very, to me, a very valid um, opinion to this argument. And that is, what if a game is out of production You're not technically stealing from anyone because the only person that may well be selling that game is Mr. Scalper on eBay. What then? Is it then acceptable to purchase a counterfeit game in order to play that game? Okay, so caveat to this, copyright, it it might still be under copyright. So technically, no, No. it's not okay if it's still in copyright. From a moral standpoint, my personal view is if the game is dead and out of print no longer supported then it's okay mm-hmm. personally but obviously an extra extra caveat to that would be you're still going to have those same issues with quality and potentially hazardous materials yes. so yeah on, on those grounds morally i think i'm on the same page as you it's okay if a game is completely out of print and you're not technically taking money out of someone's pocket and don't Again, don't get caught up in this whole thing of, oh, well, Asmodee are a huge company. They can afford it. It doesn't work like that. Mm. You know, that there's some, they may well be a big company. The, the profit margins on board games are so tiny. And this is actually another topical discussion I want to do probably many, many months down the line because it's going to involve a hell of a lot of research. But I actually would like to do a sort of topical discussion on how board games are made and actually give you a cost breakdown for an average game of how of how it's made so that we can actually see what those profit margins are actually like. So is there anything else you personally want to add on this subject? Any any positives that you can think about why you might want to not purchase a copyright copyrighted game? Continued support, basically. It's always support like like we've said several times, it's like we think of companies like Games Workshop and Asmodee as these big, faceless corporations that are just out to take you for everything you've got. That can lead a lot of people down down the road to counterfeiting, especially in the Games Workshop side of things, because a lot of people, you know, no matter your opinion on whether what they do is good or bad or whether you think they're not treating their customers right or whatever, it's the people who actually work there, not not the Big wigs in the boardroom making all the decisions, the actors, the rules writers, the sculptors, all of those other people, they're the ones that suffer when you when you counterfeit a product. Yeah. They're the ones who will be out of work or will suffer if the 
company if it ever got so bad that the company went under and yeah i think in summary for me like i i can't think of, other than the one that we have already covered in in the sense of a game may be out of production and therefore you're not taking any money away from anyone basically that's the only time i can sort of see it as being like a, a viable alternative yeah but the key thing for me is just being super careful because you even if you're not going out there as i did to deliberately purchase a counterfeited product, it is so easy to end up with a counterfeited product, mm. you know, by buying from what you think is a reputable source. It's just about being careful. Maybe you don't have a friendly local game store, and I totally understand that. A lot of people don't. Then places like Amazon become very, very good looking when it comes to purchasing games. But yeah, just take extra care in in the future. Make sure it's not fulfilled by Amazon. Actually, if you're buying it, from amazon that is fine if it's fulfilled by amazon not so much it's you take a risk yeah you're you're taking a risk basically because you're not buying directly from amazon they are just the shipping agent basically exactly um it's exactly the same as when you you, when you buy something on ebay you're not buying it from ebay mm -hmm. you're buying it from a random person exactly that's what fulfilled by amazon is and i think that's what catches a lot of people out they go onto amazon and go well it's amazon yeah Exactly. And and with with regards to eBay, that's that's my next one. If you are purchasing on eBay, make sure it's pictures of the actual product. Don't be buying from people on eBay that have got stock images online. You want to see the actual product that you are going to have delivered to you. Yes. Because then you're going to be able to see before you've even placed that bid or or press the buy it now button as to what you're going to be getting yourself in for. And if you don't get that, that's what PayPal protection is for, or eBay protection, I think it is now. Definitely avoid places like OnBuy, AliExpress, and Wish. You know, Wish is one of the worst places for counterfeited games and and, and such. I, I, I've i seen people posting in multiple forums about, oh, is, is, this, is this too good to be true? Yes. Yes. yes, it is. A hundred percent. Well, that's a, that's a, a life rule, really, is it? If, if it's too good to be true, nine times out of ten, it, it is too good to be yeah. true. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're the places that I outright say, yeah, do, just do not send them your money. Do not buy games from these places. I wouldn't trust them with a barge pole. I can safely say that now we have done this podcast, the game that is sat right in front of us will be going... It, it's not even going to go in the bin. I think I'm going to uh, set fire to this somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Um, yes, but it yeah. was a research purchase. Yeah, it was a research purchase. As I said from the off, I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was getting. And yeah, I, one, haven't given them my money. I've got my money back. I have reported them to both the, the website that I bought it from, as well as the, the official company that makes this. And they have already replied to me and said that they are going to be investigating it. And I've given them all the information. So yeah, hopefully that's one seller down. I might have just go on some vigilante, uh, <laughs> online vigilante game buying spree now. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to know out there if you've had any experience with counterfeited products, whether it was something you did on purpose or whether it was just you bought something in good faith and it turned out to be counterfeit. What are your experiences with it? Do you think what we have said is correct? Do you think we're wrong? Have you seen a silver lining to this that we haven't seen? Because we genuinely would love to know. We're not unapproachable about these things, although we are very opinionated against any form of counterfeited tabletop products. We still are happy to listen to your stories and find out your opinion. So, yeah, 
Anything else from you, James? Uh, no, I think we've covered everything at the moment. Okay, okay. Unfortunately, Paul wasn't able to join us for this discussion today. We had planned that he would be here as well, but uh, unfortunately he wasn't able to be here. But we are going to hand over to him in the newsroom now, so he may well have something to say. Who knows? But over to uh, Paul and his counterfeiting friend, Brian. Oh, stop it! Oh, that's bloody hilarious! Stop it, stop it. I'm going to have to change my pants again if I'm not careful. <laughs> I, uh, I know, right? Why on earth would anyone take that as the real thing? It's in a pizza box! And not a decent one like the game New York Slice. My dinner has turned up in better cardboard than that. Exactly! The proper tiles are a fundamental standout piece for a game like this, and they try and get away with... that rubbish. I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh god, I gotta calm down. Stop, 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 I really gotta read out this week's news. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry. I think Jason did get his money back on that one. Yeah, and they still got reported by all accounts. I mean, trying to sell knockoffs to true gamers like ourselves. How very dare you. Right, news if that's okay with you. Before I start wetting myself again. Okay, you carry on laughing over in the corner. Quietly, mind you. Uh, back in November 2020, we had the news that Atomic Mass Games was taking on the role as Asmodee's miniatures games-focused studio by taking on Fantasy Flight's Star Wars games, namely X-Wing, Armada and Legion. Making a move to a studio who specialises in miniatures games seemed a welcome one. Back then, comments made by the head of studio, Simone Elliott, and head of product development, Will Schick, suggested that any changes to the line will always be measured and highly considerate, and that all games have a solid fan base made up of people who have invested their hard-earned money, and more importantly, their time and creativity, into creating armies, squadrons, and fleets that are unique reflections of who they are. However, a statement for Atomic Mass that went online recently has unsettled a fair few gamers, especially those invested in Star Wars Armada. The statement read as follows, As we move into 2022 and beyond, we are excited to continue support of Star Wars Armada by prioritising reprints of existing products and through organised play initiatives. However, we currently do not have any new Armada products in development. We will provide additional information as it becomes available. So that left those dedicated to Star Wars Armada, and indeed fans of X-Wing and Legion, as to the fate of their beloved games. Armada's most recent release was announced back in December last year, and hit stores late May. X-Wing's last product release was back in March, and Legion's was in May. The Fantasy Flight and Atomic Mass Games websites seemed pretty devoid of anything to do with the franchises for quite some time, especially the Atomic Mass website that seems to be completely dedicated to Marvel Crisis Protocol 
with only the above November 2020 press release regarding the acquisition mentioning Star Wars at all. We're going to be keeping a very special eye on this as I've just gotten into gear and started playing X-Wing properly. So once I hear anything on the grapevine, I will certainly bring it to your attention. Fog of Love, the two-player board game about role-playing a romance, originally released by Hush Hush Projects, with Fog of Love being the studio's only series, Fog of Love is now set to be published by Floodgate Games, a company that's best known for releasing tabletop titles such as Family Board Game Sagrada and Bosk, a board game about competing to grow the most trees. The announcement was made via Floodgate's blog along with the reveal that the publisher will be launching two new expansions for the game. One of these upcoming expansions will be focused on gay and transgender stories and the situations that reflect those communities, with the previous entries in the series supporting gay relationships and narratives but not putting a particular emphasis on them. The other expansion unveiled by Floodgate is called Love on Lockdown and will explore the trials and tribulations of romance framed by the strange events of last year. Fog of Love is a game for two players that revolves around the themes of romance, relationships and compromise. In the game, the players each take on the role of one of the people in a couple, as whichever gender they want to embody in the playthrough and gain traits that will affect their behaviour within particular scenarios that the two characters find themselves in. While some characters will want to maintain their relationship they have with their partner, others may decide to focus on their own development instead. Players are able to choose from a variety of different storylines which can involve them being in an established relationship or may focus on them meeting one another for the first time. Depending on the cards they draw, players can achieve victory in unique ways, but are encouraged to roleplay their characters however they wish. Fog of Love was created by Jacob Yaskov, who also designed the various expansions for the game, such as Paranormal Romance and It Will Never Last. It is not confirmed whether Yaskov is responsible for the two upcoming expansions. Floodgate Games will be releasing its version of Fog of Love alongside the two new expansions later on this year, with retail prices yet to be confirmed. A welcome article to hit our screens this week was the news that one of our particular favourite early 90s superhero films is trading cinema for cardboard. The Rocketeer Fate of the Future will be a two-player competitive board game and will make an initial appearance at Gen Con in-person's event starting on the September the 16th before going straight to retail. Based on the stylish and goofily earnest movie of the same name, The Rocketeer Fate of the Future borrows more than just the name. A press release from publisher Funko Games said the title would be a wash in the same late 1930s Art Deco sensibilities as its source material, while translating at least part of the plot into a strategic experience hobbyists can enjoy. Each player will vie to control blueprints for constructing the powerful prototype jetpack that gives the Rocketeer his aerial capabilities. The sinister Neville Sinclair and his fascist cronies stand on one side opposite the scrappy heroes who fear the military potential and the ensuing chaos the plans might unleash in Los Angeles and beyond. The mechanics haven't been detailed, so it isn't quite clear how the Rocketeer will play yet, but images show a sectioned centerboard with familiar locations such as the Bulldog Cafe, Chapel Airfield and the Nazi rigid airship Luxembourg. 
Both players have a deck of cards on their respective side along with a trio of character cards adorned with health tokens. Plastic miniatures of these characters can be placed on specific locations, possibly bestowing bonuses or allowing for a sort of area control, with a Luxembourg miniature gradually crawling across its own space on its North American goodwill tour. If you've seen the film, you know the ulterior motives behind the stunt. The Rocketeer, Fate of the Future, is being designed by Prospero Hall. The outfit behind the recently announced movie adaptations, The Goonies, Never Say Die board game, and the nitrous-fueled title of family and car stunts, Fast and Furious Highway Heist. Funko Games said the Rocketeer will be playable and up for purchase at the upcoming Gen Con slated for September the 16th through to the 19th in Indianapolis. Afterwards, it would be available in online stores, retailers and local game shops. And we're heading on over to crowdfunding now and all three of these will be on Kickstarter. First up is Adversity by Brian Croson at Macaroni Games. It's for 3 to 4 players, it's going to take you 60 minutes to play, it's for ages 12 years and over, and it ends on Sunday, September the 12th. In adversity, your duty is to lead your town to brighter days. The terrain your town is built on is often plagued with horrific and deadly disasters. As the newly elected mayor, you must push past the obstacles that lie before you and prepare your town for the impending doom. No one has succeeded thus far, but we believe in your ability to lead. You must increase your city's population, ensure that your citizens are well fed and provide them with financial security. Will you overcome the challenges that lie ahead for you as mayor of this unfortunate town? Can you prepare your town and survive the imminent disasters that come your way? Adversity can be played with either three or four people. A three-player game consists of 18 turns and a four-player game consists of 14. On each turn, a player rolls a dice to determine the resources everyone gets from their buildings on that turn. Once the resources are distributed to everyone, the player can buy more buildings, trade with others and feed their population. Disaster rounds occur throughout the game depending on the number of players. In order to win, a player must end the game with the highest population by protecting their citizens from the various disasters. Go out and save your town. And there's only one pledge level for this and it's at £26 or $35 for the game itself. And next up is Gjorn by Kevin Meibner. It's for two to four players. It'll take 20 to 30 minutes to play, and it's for 12 years and older, and it ends on Tuesday, September the 14th. Gjorn is a fast, quick to learn, but very tactical card game for two to four players. You will win by making tactical decisions. You need to get ahead of your opponent to dominate the battlefield. There are five different cards, and each card will have its own effect. There are also two kinds of tokens, both coins and fame. Some of the card effects make you lose coins, but you would never lose fame. You win by collecting coins and fame, as both are worth a point each. So you can get a pledge level at £9 or €10, and that gets you the print and play PDF. If you get in early, you can still get the game at the discounted price of £25 or €29. Otherwise, once those have gone, the price hits up to £28 or €32. Or you can grab the game and the PDF print and play, £32 or €45. And lastly on crowdfunding this week, and it is... Earth Rising, 20 years to transform our planet by Laurie Blake and the team at Stop, Drop and Roll. It's for 1-6 to six players, 
takes 90 to 120 minutes to play, it's for 10 years and older, and it ends on Saturday 25th of September. Yep, that's right, Earth Rising is back, with a restructured game board and lower threshold pledges and pledge goal. Earth Rising isn't about vanquishing evil or undoing some terrible plot. Instead, up to six players must work together to bring the world into sustainable harmony. You have 20 years to transform the world. Are you up to the task? To win the game, you have 20 turns to flip all the segments into the centre of the board. This ensures the population's needs are met, poverty is reduced, and human activity is no longer overburdening the planet. You will have to overcome both the status quo and the climate crisis that threatens our world, and has brought humanity into a sustainable, fairer, positive future that benefits its people without harming the planet. But how can you, as a person, as a player, make this happen? Well, collectively, your influence, or public pressure, leads to changes in practices, which leads to reduced strain on the planet's ability to cope with the effects of human activity, while ensuring no one is left falling short on life's essentials. However, some are invested in how things work now, they wish to maintain the status quo and prevent change. So by working together, you can overcome them and create a sustainable way of life for both us as humans and the planet as a living ecosystem. Laurie and the Stop, Drop and Roll team are dedicated to producing a 100% sustainable product by pledging that all components are made from recycled and FSC certified materials and a promise of no plastic components through their manufacturer, Hero Time Manufacturing. On top of that, alternative means of transporting the games are being sought, but all will be offset by planting of trees through the charity Tree Sisters. And if that wasn't enough, the Stop, Drop and Roll team have promised to donate 50% of their profits to the partner charities, all of whom have helped and are represented by the sustainable methods within the game. And we're moving on to pledge levels, and £8 will get you the digital educator pack, £25 will let you donate a copy to schools and libraries across the UK and the US, £40 gets yourself a copy of the game, with £45 getting you the game and a copy of the digital educator pack. Add-ons include the £25 donation pledge as well as a copy of 2040, a handbook for the regeneration, one of the designer lorry's influences on the game's creation, and that would be £18. And we're moving on over to events now. As I mentioned earlier in the Rocketeer article, Gen Con is fast approaching, so hopefully we can bring you some news from there at some point, and indeed bring to light any streaming, interviews, playthroughs and such that may be on. That'll be running from Friday, September the 16th through to the 19th in Indianapolis. Hang on, that's right. 19th of September, that rings a bell. That makes for a rather obvious plug for our own board gaming day here in Burgess Hill. That's right, if you hadn't already made plans, Mid-Sussex Meeples is back for its first 8-hour game day in Burgess Hill on the 19th of September from 10am until 6pm, where we'll be back to our standard structure and able to offer a for sale table for those of you trying to make space for games and or pick up some new additions. Also in Burgess Hill this coming weekend is the grand opening of a board game cafe called Dyson Drinks and it's being run by the team from the town's Shrunken Terror game store. So if you're in the area on Saturday 28th of August, 
Jake, Chris and the team would like to welcome you to the Board Game Cafe for coffee, board games or just a browse of their new wares. The address is Dyson Drinks, Church Walk, Burgess Hill, RH159BQ. But if you're in Burgess Hill, just look out for the bandstand and you won't miss it. So Wednesday evenings is as always gaming at the comic shop in Crawley. It's £5 for the evening with refreshments on site. So head on over to socials for more information. Dave and Lewis Board Game Club are all go over at the Trinity Gaming Cafe in Lewis on Thursday evenings running from 7.30 to 11.30. Mondays is Crawley Gaming Club over at Tilgate Community Centre in Crawley running from 7 through to 11 and just £3 a head. And for everyone heading down to the Strange Games Festival this weekend, have fun from all of us here. So peeps, that's all from the news shed this week. Hopefully see a few of you at the comic shop on Wednesday. Say goodbye, Brian. That's it, keep safe, keep those dice rolling, the cards shuffling, and we'll both be here for you next week. Thank you very much for that, Paul, and uh, yeah... Another episode down, James. Yep. This this is becoming far too regular for my liking. I know. I might actually, you know, become an employee. I know. Well, just so you know, we don't give wages out here. Yeah, well. So it's all free. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's fine. You pay me in board games. It's fine. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Speaking of board games, we need to get some games to the table this week. Last Indeed. week was a bit lax. So I, I had my little one last week, so I wasn't able to play as many games as I'd usually play but uh yeah i have actually just thought of another one we played as well oh what was that this was a uh, bristol 1303 ah 1350 1350 yeah. that's the one yes indeed and we are going to be doing an episode on that soon because that is a fantastic game spoilers alert right there mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway guys we are going to head off we're going to play some games thank you very much for joining us join us again next week where we will be back with a board game review or game highlight as we like to call them of some form not sure which game it's going to be yet but it will be next week thank you very much for joining us i have been jason and i have been james and you've been listening to the meeple minded podcast see you next week ta-ta goodbye